0: Deep inside the HomePod Mini is a secret. Will Apple ever reveal it to the public? What's not so secret are the reasons why Apple decided to end the original HomePod and the iMac Pro and some iMac options. We memorialize these products and look to the future in this episode of the Macworld Podcast. Welcome to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Roman Loyolo here with Michael Simon Hello, sir. And Jason Cross. Hello. So last week discovered that the HomePod Mini
1: is now the only HomePod. It's no longer mini.
0: <laughs> Which does that make it the HomePod then? I don't know. Are, they get, still... are they
1: gonna are they gonna name rename
0: it? Yeah, a yeah. week ago Friday.
2: <laughs> one of those one of those things they drop out like late on a Friday. Nobody'll notice this.
0: We've been talking about the HomePod. It was discontinued last week. Apple announced it via TechCrunch late on a Friday afternoon while everyone's out enjoying starting their weekend. Uh, You can still buy whatever's remaining in stock, which I think is just the white one.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen much in the way of Space Gray these days. Um, That one had gone out of stock a couple weeks before they made the the announcement, and we weren't really sure what to make of it. Like we thought maybe it was a production thing or maybe there was a new model coming, but no
2: one really thought that they were discontinuing it until they, all of a sudden they did. <laughs> yeah, they said though it'll keep getting software updates, but they're just not going to make or sell anymore.
0: So if you want a HomePod, you have to get the HomePod Mini. Right,
2: which
1: isn't, you know, it's good. It's great even, but it's not, it's not if you want sound audio, if that matters to you, go grab a HomePod while you still can because it is Go grab a Sonos or a something. Yeah, honestly. well, that, there's that too,
2: sure. Because <laughs> for the price, and you don't even get stereo, like as much as they do this whole room-filling sound sort of thing, you you, st- you still don't get any stereo separation unless you buy two of them for a whole lot, you know. Yeah, uh, the HomePod Mini is definitely a better overall product for what it is. Uh, the the problem with all of these is Siri.
1: Yeah, because Siri is, is is secondary. So it's primarily an Apple Music vehicle at the moment and, and Pandora. But um, the sound, you know, the, the Mini, the, the the HomePod Mini definitely sounds better than like an Echo Dot or, or, or like a Nest Mini. But it's not in the league of the HomePod by any stretch. The bass is is, is, is you know, very weak. Um, this, the sound, I, I haven't tested it with two yet. I've heard that it, it, it helps a lot when you get that stereo separation, but um, with just one, you know, it sounds like a small-ish, a, 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 a good
2: small-ish speaker is what it sounds like.
0: And that small speaker has a hidden sensor.
2: It has a small egg inside that will hatch on 2024. Yeah, um, yeah there's a hidden uh, temperature and humidity sensor. Um, in the outer shell like sort of um, in the base the plastic base in the outer shell where it would not be used to uh, look at the temperature of the internal components at all it's obviously away from the components trying to be measuring the temperature and humidity of the outside air but it doesn't report that temperature or humidity to HomeKit at all it's just kind of not being used Um, it's kind of an odd thing uh, don't. It's one of those things where, like, maybe they had plans and then they decided not to do that, but it was like too late to go changing designs and part orders and all that other stuff. Like, I really wonder if this is gonna be one of those things they enable at some point, or is it one of those things where there'll be a hardware revision, like one of those invisible hardware revisions, in a few months, and it's just not in those.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to assume it. First of all, whatever the sensor costs is one thing. So they're built there, you know. Even if it's like a two dollars a unit or, or, or thirty cents a unit, something. Um, and Apple also, sweats
2: thirty cents a unit. <laughs> absolutely, it does. Yeah, when you you know you're
1: making on the scale that they make. And other competing um, products, the the Amazon Echo, and and the newest uh, Google Home or Google Nest Home, whatever they're calling it now, they have temperature sensors. And what what, what they do is. Um, like if you have a thermostat, say say a Nest thermostat or, or, or a Honeywell or, or Echobee or something, um, that's obviously a sensor in, inside of that, but that's not usually in the room that you're in. It's usually in a hallway or something. So if you're in a, a bedroom, you can have a HomePod mini if, if it were to work. It would read the temperature of that room, send that to the thermostat, and then adjust the heat if that room drops below or above whatever it's air conditioning or something, a certain level which is, you know, it's a it's a good feature. It's smart. They, you know, a lot of third-party companies sell uh, sensors for like 30 or 40 bucks a
2: pop. Yeah, or they're built then into other things. Like I have, um, I have Philips Hue lights and they work with HomeKit as long as you have the Hue Bridge, which, you know, you do. Uh, and I have little, these little square uh, room sensors that are just, just proximity sensors that turn the lights on when you walk in the room kind of thing. But they also report temperature and humidity have little temperature or at least temperature. Uh, so I I get temperature from my closet and my laundry room in my uh in, in my home app and I, I don't have a reason for them to be there but you know it's these sensors are cheap and they're surprisingly accurate and they're just built into stuff like this. So it's funny, my thermostat, because I have a Nest thermostat, doesn't work with HomeKit. So the only temperature data I have is my closet, my <laughs> laundry room.
1: It's something of, a, of an omission for HomeKit that's never going to be rectified. I don't think that uh, Apple and Google are going to magically support each other. So I wonder if Apple is, or one does, or at one point had designs on making its own thermostat or partnering with someone to make a, a special edition home kit a home, home kit because that's you know that's that's one of the top smart home things you have your lights and stuff but once you get really deeper into building your smart home you want a uh, you, you want a thermostat and there there are some that work with home but nest is the one that everybody nest is, wants that, is the had first, first one. mover the best one. advantage
2: yeah. and it and it really became known as that's the brand right that just that kind of means smart thermostat and it looks great
1: you know, it's it's it has an Apple level of design, and it doesn't work with HomeKit.
2: Yeah, that, I think all that the promise of it ever working with HomeKit went away as soon as Google bought Nest. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's that's not Apple. that's done.
1: Yeah, and you know, you can still use the obviously the Nest app. Or the Google app, whatever,
2: whatever it is now. They, they keep changing um, logins just, and back in, and forth. I think it works in Nest Google app. Home and there's a Nest app and stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They so can, on can, your can, iPhone, can, you're on your iPad. Like it, it all works fine with the ecosystem. It's just you can't say, you know, Siri, do this or Siri, raise the temperature. Or right.
2: Or, or or use it in Siri automations, which is the the fun thing, right? Making things happen just when you come home or whatever automatically. So yeah, it's a shame. So long, HomePod
0: go grab one if you really want one. I know some people like to collect these things.
1: I mean, like I said, it's, it's worth it's worth it. If you it's considering you can never get it again if you wanted one.
0: You've been or you
1: it's it's definitely worth the price if you care about high fidelity
2: sound. Yeah, it's not a bad product. No, not at all. And if you're into Apple Music, right? Because it it does sort of work with other music services and that you can hand it off from your phone and stuff like that but just the easy voice integration stuff really only works right with apple music so far so far there's always hints that like you're just going to be able to say anything and and maybe that's coming with this ios 14.5 update where you can kind of make siri have different default not default they they're careful to not say it's not default, but you are telling Siri which services you want for music and podcasts and stuff. So maybe that will translate over to HomePod as well.
1: Presumably, if the mini, whatever the mini gets, the larger HomePod will get too for at least the foreseeable future.
2: Um, with the only exception being uh, there's no U1 chip in the big one. That all that's useful for is the little sort of making your phone kind of have tactic vibrations when you hand off to the. Speakers thing. That's that's all it really does (laughs) right now. Yeah, I mean it doesn't. The U1 chip doesn't do a whole lot in any of
1: Apple's devices yet. We're still waiting for that, you know, that killer feature or really any feature (laughs) to let us know it's there.
0: (laughs) If you're into dead Apple products, iMac Pro is. (laughs) We're all into dead dead Apple Apple products, aren't we? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If you're collecting
2: them, that one's going to cost you a bit.
0: The iMac Pro came at a weird time because it started shipping. Uh, it's like a couple
2: years before the updated Mac Pro shit.
1: Yeah, it was very much like a, like a stopgap machine.
0: And they had just started to put out to the press that they acknowledged that the Mac Pro was a, was an error. Well, they didn't say it was an error, but they acknowledged that they uh, made some uh, strategic uh they went wrong with, well, I'm trying to word it in a way Apple would word it, and I can't seem to do it. But They yeah. made
1: a cylinder that nobody wanted. <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and then, you know, there were reports that they had invited people over to, to, you know, get feedback on what they want to do with the next Mac Pro, and then they released this iMac Pro which was yeah kind of a stopgap between. And
2: it's a, it was a weird product too because it's very expensive because it uses all the workstation class chips and ECC RAM and all that other stuff and workstation class graphics and all that. Anyone who spends that much to get that much level of performance above that also doesn't kind of want an all-in-one usually right they have their own calibrated displays and stuff like that like they, they don't want a system that's not very upgradable the, the iMac's not very upgradable and stuff so it was in some ways still had the same problems the what what people call the trash can Mac the the round cylinder iMac Pro the Mac Pro it's the iMac Pro kind of had some of those problems in the same way so it was it, it came in space gray which is awesome <laughs> but it's still and it still had the like the the same screen that's in the regular 27-inch iMac, mean, like the big bezel and no HDR and you know, all that other stuff, and so yeah, it was it was this weird kind of in-between product that wasn't bad, but still not what that market wanted. And I can't imagine that once they came out with the actual Mac Pro, anyone's buying them.
1: Yeah, right. I mean, for five grand, I mean the Mac Pro is is more, and you don't get a display. But like you say, the people who want that they want a customizable tower and they have a display or they're willing to spend $10,000 on a package, something like that. Uh, yeah. Five grand for the, for the iMac pro was, even if someone gave me $5,000 and said, you have to buy a Mac, I probably
2: wouldn't have bought that one. Then you've got, now that the M1 Macs are out, if you're like a coder, you know, you're looking at that M1 Mac mini and going, well, this is as fast as that the iMac pro <laughs> for, for like compiling my, projects yeah so i just imagine that the the market the total addressable market of the imac pro just kept shrinking and shrinking and now why are they going to keep making it especially when everybody expects there's a new imac design coming out are they going to keep this thing around with the old design
1: yeah i mean it was a little surprising that they didn't just kill it off when the new model launched like to to kind of maybe they wanted to make it a little bit more ceremonious than that. I don't know, but it was it was surprising that it happened just on a,
0: like
2: a, a couple of weeks ago. On a I, Friday, I really night. would love to know how many they sold. Like is is it is it in the tens? Right? Did they even sell <laughs> ten thousand iMac Pros?
0: It was a good machine when it came out, but it was just in an awkward position. It was
1: too expensive for a casual user,
2: and too. All in one for a power user,
0: yeah, and just wasn't that
2: much faster than buying a consumer 27 inch iMac with the best specs for several thousand dollars less. Like, I love to know if anyone bought like the 18 core iMac Pro for like 12 grand. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> the thing, like, you got to spend a lot of money to get it to be like way obviously so much better than the best regular non pro iMac. I don't fault them for making it because it has that transition product, but the transition's over I guess.
0: <laughs> and it never got updated during its life cycle. I think they moved it up, meaning they got rid of the entry level model and pushed the the one above it or below above it as the entry level. Yeah, it,
1: it went from 8 eight core to 10 core in the $5,000 one. But yeah,
0: it was the yeah, same Yeah, it processor. was the same processor. So it never really got updated in its lifetime. I went to an event... To get briefed on the iMac Pro, and when they showed it to us, and I saw that space gray, I was like, "Oh, that's that's nice. Yeah, yeah it's it really is. nice. I'm
1: surprised they didn't they didn't make, move
2: that to the other ones. They they also killed a couple of regular iMacs recently.
0: Yeah, there are a couple of options that you can get on the iMac that are no longer available.
2: Right, the 21.5 inch iMac, not the 27 inch. It had Options for I think it's 256, 512, and one gig SSDs, and then the the Fusion Drive was a, another option, and they got rid of those two highest SSD options. I gotta imagine that's less about them killing off that product, although that may still be happening, uh, and more about just like who's who's spending. Who's buying the cheaper 21-inch iMac, not the 27, but then spending all this money on the expensive SSDs? Exactly. Yeah,
1: it was like it was like 25% of the
2: of the unit when you get the you know with
1: the one one. And you're just way better off. Better
2: way. Anybody spending that money is just way better off getting the 27-inch iMac, and that's probably what was happening. But it's possible that that version of the iMac may be going away. There's there's definitely something coming. There's no, there's no question about there hints of two new iMac models in the latest beta of macOS. We don't know what we don't know anything about them except that rumors point to a whole new design and stuff. But they, they seem to be like the 21-inch size thing. So, well,
1: the, the it's, it's hard to say because that could be just the year. We're also in 2021. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, but what I would imagine would happen was that. If they're going to make something based on the M1 or something, they're going to have a new iMac design in a smaller size with the M1, and then either this fall or next year or whatever, had the big iMac with the same new design, and it'll have the M2 or the M1X or whatever they're going to call the next chip because you would, ex- these bigger, more expensive Macs, you also expect them to be higher performance.
1: And they, um, I mean, they came out with the 13-inch MacBook Pro but left the 16-inch MacBook Pro, so it's not like that's an unprecedented move.
2: Yeah, you always expect the bigger, more expensive one to have. They have always had higher-end chips because you've got more heat dissipation and all that other stuff, and so then those chips aren't ready yet. I'm not sure I would buy an M1-based iMac, an M1X or something like that, but I, the same M1 that's in the, the Mac Mini and the 13-inch MacBook and stuff. I, I'm not sure I would buy a all-in-one desktop with that chip in it. I think I would wait for whatever the next most powerful chip is.
1: I mean, I guess it depends on the design. Is a big
2: yeah, factor. and the price. Like if they
1: come out with a killer design that people want, and it's like 1500 bucks or 1300 bucks. Right. I mean, the M1 is going to be plenty, plenty powerful for you know most people. I mean, it's been so long since we've seen. I was going through it um, last night. Uh, last night when I wrote the article about the the two models they found, and it's really been 2004 since they updated. Since the so the iMac G4 was was replaced by the iMac G5, which is essentially
2: what we have now, with some. They made the edges like taper more and thinner, but it's, yeah, yeah. It looks
1: I mean, it's the it's, same. it's it looks nicer now, but it's basically the same. It's the same machine. And it's, I mean, that's, that's 15 and, years, And of course days. Apple's it's
2: aware. It's just a matter of like, when do they get all the pieces, when do all the pieces fall together to, for this, whatever new design's going to be? I'm really just hoping that it's not just the shell's different, the processor's different. I want them to really update the display. The, this 5K display and everything and the 4K stuff they did on the iMac, that was such a big step forward, like at the time. It was cheap. It was almost as cheap to buy an entire 5K iMac as anyone else's just display, just 5K display. Like it was even some 4K displays. It was, and the color was great, you know, and the contrast and brightness and stuff is, was really good for the time. Um, but Apple's so far just behind on a lot of display technology. Their, their, their Pro Display XDR, it's great sort of accuracy in HDR, but they're they have no consumer HDR and that's all over the PC space. They have no high refresh rate, no variable refresh rate, any of that stuff. And they've got that stuff in iPads. So I really want to see them whatever displays in the next iMac. I really want it to be another big step up. I don't want them just to be what we have now. P3 color gamut. Like that's they can do better than that. I really want them to say how are we going to take Computer displays, all computer displays forward. How are we going to be ahead of the rest of the market again?
1: Yeah, we haven't heard, I mean, we've heard a lot of rumors about the iMac. The display tech isn't one of them. So I'm, I wonder what's going on there. Are we going to get promotion? Are we going to get, you know, the all the things that the iMac needs to be, yeah, Dolby Vision, whatever it is. There's been very few really none that i can think of where usually you hear about you know the ipad display is going to be mini led and the iphone is going to have uh, 120
2: hertz like we we those things leak that hasn't been the case here so and things like 27 inch IMAX actually would make a pretty good apple like tvs you know you've got the tv app on there it's a pretty good way to watch tv if you're in a dorm room or something or if you just want to watch tv in your office or something if you put in your airpods pro and had Spatial sound and all that. It would be a killer. That would be a killer use case for that. But they don't do a good it's not gonna show off that content as well without HDR or anything. So
0: Well, we've been talking about the end of particular products, but twenty years ago today was the beginning of a new product to the public. Back then it was called Mac OS ten. Today is the twentieth anniversary of Mac OS. I'll just call it Mac OS.
1: Of the yeah, the, the, yeah, of the, of the launch,
0: launch of it. We've got a couple articles on our website uh that takes a look back at the history of Mac OS. So if you're interested in that, go to our website. We'll have links in our show notes for that.
1: I still remember running to uh Comp USA when the I think it was the, the, the public beta came out, yes. which they charged you for, mind oh, right. you.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> And uh, CompUSA, it might had like, I don't know, 10 of them or 20 of them on hand or something. And I got one and I was just the happiest person in the world. And I turned it on and nothing worked. <laughs> it was just like a nightmare. <laughs> oh,
2: that's the worst. Yeah. It took a while, but we're up to Mac OS 11 too. That was as Steve Jobs promised. I went back and looked at his original uh, presentation for Mac OS 10 when it was coming out. And he said, like, this is them setting themselves up for the next 20 years. That was an enormous visual and architectural change, and macOS 11 is not. <laughs> macOS 11 could have been macOS 10 point.
1: Right. It's. They didn't even really say that it was changing. Like we only know because you look at the About This Mac. It's this. It's it's always 10. You know, continued. But back then, yeah, it was a massive, massive change. I mean, everything about it. And looking back on it, you know, I I've been putting together these these stories with with Roman that Jason Snell wrote, and I mean, it's it it holds up. Aqua ten point zero holds up now. Like it was way ahead of its time. Way ahead of its time.
2: They made a lot of smart, very like low the low level guts of how this operating system works. Stuff they made a lot of smart decisions there about how to make something that would be powerful then, um, but also take them a long way into the future. Would be changeable and extensible and in smart ways long into the future. Um, they've made a lot of good decisions there, so let's hope that as they change their architecture, their entire CPU architecture, they're making just as smarter decisions about carrying things forward for a long time to come.
1: And you know, we we t- we look at the Mac. And how much that's come, I mean, it's also was the foundation for iOS that, you know, Mac OS X enabled that operating system as well. So, I mean, to, to, to talk about, to say it was the, the biggest move Apple ever made is not hyperbole. I mean, if that failed, Apple's done. You know, it brought back Steve Jobs and all that stuff. But if Mac OS X didn't succeed, that's it. That, I mean, that, that was their Hail Mary pass. And and they caught it, and it, it, you know the rest is history, like literally. But at the time when OS X uh, launched, no one thought <laughs> they would be a two trillion dollar company in twenty years. I don't even think Steve Jobs thought that.
2: It was part of that sort of one-two punch, right? It was it was all about it was all about that change to the OS, and it was all about that the, the new iMac, that new plastic, fruit flavor colored, you know, totally total change to iMac that really embraced the internet in a way that was like yeah, we're, we're all in on you just plug it in and it's on the internet kind of thing. Th- those were the two, those two things were the two halves of the, the coin that kind of brought the Mac back and, and gave Apple runway to get into, you know, making MacBooks really popular and, and useful and to where that's, that's where everybody's at these days.
1: Yeah, and it gave them, I mean, for lack of a better word, the confidence to deliver the iPod and then the MacBook
2: Air and then the iPhone and, you know, products that were,
1: you know, basically
2: risks that worked not to say that apple didn't take plenty of risks that didn't work we kind of forget about the them trying to make a digital camera and a game console and some of these other things that just like totally failed but you know steve jobs was a part
0: of those
1: <laughs> so they don't, they don't really count <laughs>
0: Well, that does it for this week's episode of the Macworld Podcast, episode 735. Thanks to Jason Cross. Thank you. Thank you to Michael Simon. Thank you. And thanks to the audience. Thank you for tuning in. You can subscribe to the podcast via the podcast app or on Spotify. If you have any comments or questions, send us an email at podcast at macworld.com, or you can contact us through Twitter. That's at Macworld or on the Macworld Facebook page. Join us in the next episode of the Macworld Podcast as we talk about the latest news and happenings in the world of Apple. See you next time.